obviously, on Anything Goes. And that's what always concerns me about censorship. It's like, even at... I've never told this to anyone. It's definitely not on air. But I was censored at a comedy festival on a nasty show. They took me aside and said, don't do these three jokes again. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me? You know, like, these are, this is the nasty show. These three jokes are very good jokes. They're defending my children. One's taking it on corporate America. What's the, you know, what's the problem here? Another comedy club owner once said to me, you can't come back because you're too dirty, under a picture of Jim Norton. Yeah. And I literally just pointed up. I'm like, you're telling me... He's like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, but see, that all changes once someone can sell tickets. All those personal exactly. principles and values, like, that's how they take control of your life. You know, yes. you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then the best thing that can happen is you go away and you start selling tickets and then you, you come back and they're like, uh, well, we're really happy you're here. It's like, yeah, and you're going to pay me for it exactly. and you're not going to fucking say anything to me right. about what I can or right. can't do. Fame is the greatest equalizer. I mean, Russell Peters is a good example of that. He was not treated very well in this country. Uh, and then he became obviously this worldwide phenomenon. So now when he comes back here, some people are a little pissed at the way they, they he treats them. And it's like, well, you know what? You were really bad to him. So he is going to play that kind of fame game of you got to pay this and do that. And yeah, do that. I, I mean, I'd like to. I hope I have that opportunity. <laughs> well, it's, it's like that same way that like you know, get people sometimes get put pissed off at Dane Cook. It's sort of like, are you mad at him? Are you mad that he did something before you? And now. Let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? They're giving away puppies in the back of their van. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? Fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Hey there, everybody. It Woo. is, uh, ah, shit. It is, uh, July 30. It is the week of July 31st. This is Anything Goes. Uh, I'm your uh, host, or one of your hosts. Uh, my name's Dave Martin, and uh, beside me, as always, is Darren Frost. We're coming to you from uh, the XM Studios in downtown Toronto. How are you, Darren? I am good, David. How are you doing this I'm week? I'm all right. It's uh, it's uh, good to have you back here. Uh, yeah, I was, last I was week, away, yeah. Last week, we had uh, Amanda Brooke Perrin and uh, Norm Souza were in the uh, our guests uh, yes. last week. And yep. uh, Did you know Amanda uh, told me that uh, she's afraid of you? No, she's, she's scared of you, okay. and she thought she was going to be facing her fear when she uh, came down to the okay, studio. Right. And she was, I don't know if she was relieved that you okay. weren't here, but um, and I wanted to ask her. Uh, but I've that, always been quite polite with her. I've always said hi to her, and right, but in Calgary, yeah, in Calgary. Yeah, when she okay. was in Calgary for for a few years, I remember going to Calgary and seeing her at the uh, the open mics in Calgary and stuff. Yeah, but I think she was. I think she is intimidated by you for okay. some reason. Okay, well, I'll have to correct that. <laughs> How are you going to do it? Well, I'll just go punch don't her in the face. Walk up to her and say, "Hey, <laughs> come on!" Yell and scream. Come on, cunt! Don't worry about it. That's how you do. <laughs> hey, you cunt! Yeah, uh, that's how you do it. 
But uh, and then Norm Souza had a good uh, had a story about the first time that he met you too. Oh, okay. Uh, but and I, I meant to I'll, I'll somehow I think I'll phone them and I'll get them to talk about it. Sure. And then I'll let you play and then we'll play it on the radio. Okay. Your first their their experience with you for the All first right. time. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, uh, but, a couple quick announcements okay. though before we uh, normally we run out of time at the end. So this week I wanted to start off the top. Uh, a couple of friends of the show that have been on before. Uh, one of them is Jean Paul who just did his uh, first gal. He's been in comedy, I think, what, 18, maybe 20 years. And he just did his first uh, JFL, Just for Last Gal in Montreal, and was very successful. He had the hard spot of opening a gal, which is a very difficult spot, and he had a great set. So look for him on uh, the JFL gals that will be playing this fall. On September 14th, he will be doing a show called Three the Hard Way with J. Martin Trix and Jean-Paul at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Uh, Doors 7, show at 8 p.m. Uh, and for tickets, uh, just look it up on, on the web, I'm sure. You can go to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. But that is for September 14th. And also on August 2nd, if you are a fan of DJ Jazzy Jeff, remember DJ (laughs) Jazzy Jeff? Well, yeah, I, I do remember him. Sure, from uh, he was never really on my mind. So, okay, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I do remember him. He's doing a big show at the uh, Cottage Creek Comedy Festival uh, with also uh, other comics on it. It's kind of like he's doing DJ set. There's also comedians on the show, and that is August second. And tickets for that uh, near the Bracebridge area. You can go to cottagecreekcomedyfestival.com. And also on August 10th, our guest this week is uh, going to be doing uh, headlining one of the Wilmot. shows there. Uh, Mike Wilmot and other guests this week is uh, comedian Dara Orr. And our last announcement is September 1st is the release of uh, physical and online. My uh, fourth DVD, oh. Emotional Terrorism, will be out finally. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, is Does it surprise you, or how does that make you feel that someone was, a, was scared of you? Unfortunately, uh, if people only know me from my onstage character, right. I understand it, yeah. and she probably has a right to be scared. <laughs> In terms of, I'm not the most gracious person on stage. So if they haven't had much interaction with me, I, 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 I'm aware of it and I try not to be like that. But do, you fear, do you think that you're unapproachable? I can be very unapproachable if I'm getting in the zone for a show or just after a show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a hard time stepping out of character before you go in and on stage and shit? Generally not, but there's a lot of energy running through at the end of a show for sure. That the last thing I want to do is talk to someone. Generally. Oh. Well, if you listened to last week's show, I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, try to sway her from her fear or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agreed with it. I was sure. like, yeah, he's a very frightening person. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. No. Uh, I, um, my oh. wife didn't see my act for three months for a reason. You know. Well, yeah, but you told her not to. It's not. Yeah. But did you ever fear of her like sneaking out on her own and like following you to a show? No, and, only girls like I think the Seinfeld. Episode? Oh, only th- only girls you would date, Dave, I think would probably sneak out and then go against your wishes. Or just they'd look at shit online. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, but I, I have gotten um, emails from uh, from girls that I just met that hadn't seen me on stage. Right. And then, uh, then they go in online and they look at some YouTube clips. Right. And uh, I think I told that one before, but uh, I got an email back saying, you're a lot different uh, on stage. Than, yeah, uh, right. And then, it, you know, it's one of those sort of different is in quotes where it's not, where she didn't specify good or bad different. Sure. Just different, which usually means bad different. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, uh, you can uh, still vote for us for the Canadian Comedy Awards. We are the only show in the history of Sirius XM. Yes. The entire history of it. There's lots of condition
musicians when I say we, in the history of XM that have been uh, nominated for a Canadian Comedy Award twice in a row. Yep. Only show in the history of so a So go to CanadianComedy.ca and uh, ComedyAwards.ca and vote. This is a public category. You do not have to be a comedian or anyone in any kind of union to vote on this category. We are going up uh, against two big CBC juggernaut shows, so every vote counts. Yeah, I know. My, um, Which means if you've been on the show and you want to be on the show again, you better fucking well, vote. Well, we're never going to know that, though. No, I know. I know that. But uh, I just find it funny that the people who probably have been on the show probably wouldn't vote. Or they, maybe they don't even vote at all. Yeah, you true. Know. But um, I know I some don't even just... Twitter their appearances on here. Well, yeah, but are we, do you want to get into that? If... No, no. Okay. Actually, it was a very good Twitter response from uh, Amanda Brooke and Norm Souza. They both uh, retweeted yes, our shit. Yes, trip. yes, yes. Uh, and that was nice to say, but... Uh, you know what? Why don't I have a feeling that we could probably just do plugs for the entire show? <laughs> we could just probably do an hour's worth of fucking plugs. Oh, and also another thing. I, well, I was and, just in Cornwall. What yeah. a show that town was. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. So I was in New York City last week. Oh right, you, and you've never been ever. to. Uh, yes. Now, uh, were you? Uh, were you? Did you, were you just uh, overtaken by the size of the city? Well, we uh, we trained in from the airport and uh, from the Newark airport. Oh, you rode the train yeah, in. Tra- yeah, ra- okay. rode the train in. And you literally get off at Penn Station. Right. And you walk out and you are, it's like fucking Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. I mean, you're in the heart of the beast. Right, right, So that right. first five seconds, like, wow, this is fucking, you're right in Times Square. And our hotel was in Times Square, which is amazing for that reason alone. Your hotel was where? Right in Times Square. Where was what hotel? Like, like forty first and tenth. Literally, it's only a three, but a five minute walk to the Broadway and like seventh. Oh, yeah. So what? What? what okay. Well, what was the name of the hotel? Uh, it was a place called Yotel. It was yeah. actually very reasonable price, and it was clean, and it was very helpful, and it was right in the like the heart of the beast, and it was great. I mean, we walked everywhere. We saw a Broadway show. We went and saw Once, which was amazing, and we did the you know the all day tour on a bus, which was good, and I did some sets, which was eye opening for sure. Now what did uh, uh, now you told me a little bit about this, but uh, like when I went when I was over in Britain and uh, I went to go and see a couple of shows. Uh, I I left those shows with the feeling that like shit comedy is universal. Sure. Um, did you have that feeling of like? Uh... I didn't have the universal feeling that shit comedy was, but what I saw is very much remind me of amateur night or open mics here. Yeah. Is that the comics were on stage and they said something and the other comics in the back were freaking out, laughing so hard like it was an amazing thing this person was saying and it wasn't. Right. But because either you know they're ahead of them in the game or they look up to them, right. it's like. Oh my God! You know, it's it's like wow, this guy's speaking the truth when it was like not really much truth being thrown. Right. But you know, I'm looking at it from an outsider's point of view. And a couple times, my wife even turned to me. And I mean, she's not a huge comedy fan, but she was like, "Why are those guys laughing so much?" I'm like, "I I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's well, because it's the guy on yeah. stage, and you know, there's buddies. It's kind of like a little, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a love fest. Sure, well, it, exactly. Uh, you know." Comedy's hard in that town. That's what I definitely learned. And a little bit of love fest probably isn't a bad thing. But I mean, like uh, I know Aaron, Aaron Berg's uh, in New York now, yes, he is, and, yeah. and you ran into him, correct? Yeah, we we hung out for the night. Yeah. The uh, and he was saying that like even like guys that uh, that have this, they're not you know names by any uh, any degree, but sure. uh, they've been around for like twenty years, and so that these guys are just uh, like you'd never heard of them, but they're yeah. getting a lot of the spots that you know usually would go to uh, other comics and sure. stuff like that. But I mean, you know, it, it's it, it was interesting to see, and I played a, like in the two comedy clubs. They're very small, kind of intimate venues, and it was it was fun. The first show I had a lot of fun on. The second show was a little bit more of a kind of drunken after hours kind of club feel, but uh, the first show was great. And, and it's not that I didn't do well in the second show. It was just 
wasn't the same kind of vibe of the room. You can the, say you bummed. The, the, I didn't bomb. <laughs> I, I, I did bummed. well, but the first show they were attentive. The second show they were a little more drunk. Right. So like the first show was like you know an optimum situation, and the second show was like any kind of you know out of town bar gig you do. And what else did you uh, did you see any uh, unique uh, New York cliches at all? Well, you know, saw a lot of people pissing on the street, shit like that. But yeah, <laughs> you could see that anywhere. Yeah, and a lot of like vendors and people, you know, yelling and talking to themselves. And oh yeah, right. And but nothing, and nothing else. Just I mean, like what else, what else popped out from New York? Uh, you know, it, it was it was a lot of walking because of where our hotel was. So and the the heat. The first day was like a hundred and eight degrees, shit. and we decided that was the day to do Central Park. Just walk around for like six hours, and that was a bit much. But you know, uh, we had air conditioning at the hotel, so it was fine. Did, any cockroaches you saw in your hotel? No, no, no none, none. I stayed in the uh, when. Uh, Christine... I'm telling you, man, this place was was really good. We uh, the first time I went down there. It was uh, Christine Von Hagen and myself. We went down to, uh, and we stayed at a place called the St. James Hotel. Yeah, uh, I saw that Johnny... place, yeah. Oh, so is it still there? I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay. I, mean, when... I remember online seeing it, so I'm right. not saying I saw it physically, but I remember seeing that name. Um, so I can't... Uh... I'm trying to remember what year it was. I can't even remember what year it was, but I know I did a set at, at Stand Up New York, and which was uh, which was good. And they've renovated that whole place, so it looks really nice now. But um, when I was uh, the hotel that we were in, I guess they were renovating some of the rooms, and so the room we ended up getting was it just looked like your average sort of Best Western kind of hotel, right? And then Wade McElwain, who was staying in the in the same hotel, we went down to his, and he had one of the unrenovated rooms, right? And it looked like the kind of room that like you know like Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver bought his guns at, <laughs> yeah. And um, but. Uh, yeah, there is like an energy to that town that you don't find uh, yeah. anywhere else. And, yeah, I uh, mean, there's definitely that sense of you can get anything you want at any time, food 24 hours a day and, and things to do 24 hours a day. Uh, but I'm I'm 42. I mean, I think if I was like 21, 22, that'd be like amazing. I want to go there again. I don't have this urge to, I got to go again. I, you know, I did it. And if I go again, great. If I don't, not a big deal for me. Oh, well, I mean, well, what else would you go down there for? Only stand up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've already done the, the touristy stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think I'd rather go to. Ve- I've never been to Vegas, so I got to do that first. You got. You got to go there. Of course. And try uh, go down with like a posse of people too. Sure. Um, Especially a posse of people with striped jackets who get hammered and have videos on YouTube. Uh, yeah. yeah. So me? Sure. That's you. Okay. There's lots of other people that yeah. probably do that too. I went. Uh, <clears throat> I had a. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, if you listen to last week's show, uh, my uh, my butt cyst is pretty well uh, disappeared. <laughs> uh, I Good. went. In, I went in for my uh, last. Uh, no uh, tr- one of my last treatments with a nurse, and there is nothing more humble than. Uh... Okay, so this nurse had to shave my butt because she was putting uh, yes. uh, bandages on it. How long do you think it was before I uh, gave her a flyer to one of my shows? The nurse that was shaving my halfway butt. Halfway through. Halfway through? Yes. Uh, no, actually, second visit. Okay. Second visit, I gave her a, uh, uh, and apparently like she's nice got job some... on the shaving. Right. You well, might want to listen to this. I, did, I didn't want to recall sure. what our experiences were together. Yeah. But uh, I feel so close to you now that right. I think you need to know more about me. I think you should uh, come out and uh, yeah. and see a show. Yeah. They gave me a bunch of oxycontins too. And, and then, how was uh, that? Uh they were all right. Um, I don't see what the big is. Uh, no, 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 I haven't. But I, I usually, I would sometimes have a, I would sometimes smoke like a, a little bit of pop before I took one. So I couldn't tell what the oxys were. But they do bung you. They do uh, clog you up a lot. Right. And then once you get off of them, oh man, it is. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you fucking train? let loose. Well, yeah. 
I don't like to give. <laughs> I don't like to think about gravy in that way. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I took. Uh, there's a uh, a boxing uh, charity boxing match that I'm going to be taking. Pl- that I oh, you're do hopefully it. will be doing it. But okay. my legs are still fucking killing me from that 30 minutes of training that we did. And uh, once I found out that I was doing, and it's comics versus comics. It's yeah. for this charity to uh, yes. to for to fight cancer. And I guess they had a bunch of lawyer, um, like um, you know, accountants and insurance people that did the last thing. So accountant versus accountant. Right. Uh, Debit versus credit. Yeah, and uh, and one of the one of those guys got his jaw broken. Yeah, well, so yeah. So that uh, that doesn't really encourage me, but I'm just I'm still in a lot of pain from that. And uh, guess who I asked to be in my corner? Who? My corner man. Who? Uh, Lou Eisen. I asked <laughs> Lou Eisen, uh, the guy that. Uh, <laughs> In the movie Cinderella Man. Oh, great. Uh, in the movie Cinderella Man. Well, I'm not uh, fucking going, that's for sure. Well, why not? Yeah, no He's going to be in my corner. You can yeah, just be off somewhere sure. else. Yelling just watching him. him. Yeah, yeah, why? Oh, come on. I, I, I'll be yelling I, him, I, I, I want the uh, I want the guy that Russell Crowe Crow called man. A, a, a cunt in front of uh, yes. about four. Uh, no, it was maybe about 400 extras in the entire crew. Sure. When they shot the movie Cinderella Man in Toronto uh, at the uh, old Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, well, hopefully nobody tells Lou we're having this conversation or he's going to turn you down. No, he won't. I'm maybe. sure he's... Uh, uh, I don't know. Is, is it ever weird when uh, people that you know have a, a bigger bond with you than you think that they have? Well, sure, yeah. Like, Lou seems like he's really close with me. And I don't really... I'm like, why... At what point did you think we were really close? I, I've got to plead the I'm still one. friendly with the guy. i got to plead the fifth But I'm like, one. I don't know when he was under the impression that, you know, we bonded and now we're sure. such close well, friends. Sure, have him on the show. Let's have him on the show. This one? Sure. Okay. Yeah. How are you going to... Well, then, what, are you going to be in the glass room No, booth? I won't be here. It'll be one of the episodes I'm Wait, not I, here. Like you're not here for? And you, him, and Amanda Brooke Perrin can bake a cake or something. Why? Why would you... I still have to find out why she's so scared of you. Yeah. But we're, we'll, uh, we'll figure okay. that out. Now I'm going to scheme play it up even more. What? That she's afraid of you? Or you, or you... drool and well, you just can. rub my cock a bit. Yep. All right. If that's the impression that of you want to leave. Okay. Well, we got to uh, go to a commercial break. and our, When we come back? When we come back. Uh, just back from uh, a tour and uh, an appearance at Just for Laughs and hanging out. Mike Wilmot. It'll be our third appearance on the show. Mike Wilmot after the break. The big three-timers club. Yeah. Get that shit out of your ears and put this shit in. This is Anything Goes. Hi, I'm Noel Fielding, and uh, I'm performing in Toronto to the Torontonians, a rare breed of people with ram's legs who emerge from forests at dawn. You're listening to Anything Goes on XM Radio. Enjoy. You wouldn't pick them up on the side of the road, but thanks for listening now. This is Anything Goes. Hey there, we are back from the break. This is Anything Goes for the week of... July 31st. Thank you, Darren. I should really get better at that. So I was like, I was going to say, I really should know that, but I should just get better at, ever, at, at so many things. We're so critical. I it's all on the phone. I Everything would... you need is on your phone. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that, um, well, actually, first I mentioned uh, during the uh, little break that we had, uh, I was curious if anyone was ever afraid of me, like people are afraid, afraid of, of me. Right. But um, Other than know. women? That's killing me. Other I was listening women? outside. That's, uh, if, anyone, if you know you, how yeah. do you not love you? Sure. Well, uh, a lot of people don't know well, me. Maybe she doesn't like you, 
afraid, like in a, like in a, in a, in a like a, she's scared of like a phobia, right? Or right. Maybe your your, your yeah. shape of yeah. human. Yeah, maybe she's scared of trolls. The little, well, you little know. fellas. Yeah. yeah. That admittedly, if you weren't to talk with them, if you you know you you are taller than that midget in that Sutherland movie. Remember that? Uh, don't look now. Yeah. Right. Very, yeah. You're 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 taller than that, but you 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 come off with those vibes though. Yeah. yeah sinister. Angry. Well, yeah. yeah. Hey, I know. Um, Valid. For those, those who don't know, uh, that we was Mike, Mike Wilmot, Wilmot is in the studio. studio. Uh, three Peter. That's right. Yeah, you're that's, the first three Peter. Oh, this feels good. I'm all cozy now. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I should have my own mug. Yeah. I mentioned uh, that um, I might be uh, doing this uh, uh, boxing match to. Um, uh, for this uh, charity. Yeah, with Sweet Lou Eisen in your and, corner. Well, it might possibly, pos- he wants to be my corner man. Oh, wow. Uh, and Lou Eisen was in the movie Cinderella Man. And sure during, he was. The, during the shooting of that movie, uh, there was one particular scene where he had to move, a, he had to. Uh, Put a chair into the into Russell yes. Crowe's corner. Yes, he was Russell Corner uh, Crussell's. Crussell uh, <laughs> Crowe. He was in. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was in Russell Crowe's corner, and he had to put this chair in it, and he and he couldn't get the smooth motion of it right, and they had to do a whole bunch of takes, and Russell yes. Crowe just screamed and yelled at him and he called gave him a heart a, attack. He gave yeah. a, he called him like a cunt in front of all yes. these uh, all the crew and stuff. Well, just so you understand, then he got him a watch though. Then he got yeah, him like well, a Rolex. I'm not I, uh, for the sake of honesty. Me and Lou used to be good friends, and now we're not. But uh, that story you're telling it's somewhat true but not the whole story what's the whole story the whole story is in in i was there okay but the problem is is before they started shooting they used a plastic chair a lighter chair so all through the you know the the takes before they're actually filming it was a nice light chair it was like it was like a three four pound like sort of yeah plastic chair plastic chair it's amazing what they can do in movies okay (laughs) but then once but once they actually went action they replaced it with a real cast iron and it was like 40 pounds like a solid steel, and yeah. a solid steel chair and that's not the easiest thing to move through like you one-handed know, one-handed through ropes through ropes and that's why he kept when you're fucking Lou, it up. And when you're Lou Eisen. So to, to defend Lou, it was like, yeah, on, before we started rolling, I could do it, no problem. And then, so it wasn't really fair that Russell Crowe yelled at him at that time. Are but you, there were other times Are you trying to insinuate that Russell Crowe might be some kind of an asshole? Yeah. Maybe. He might wow. have some anger management yeah. issues. Wow. wow. Now, when Lou fell asleep on set and he got the megaphone and called him a motherfucker, <laughs> I thought that was fair. That's very, yeah. That's what gave him the heart attack. The, yes. Is that, yeah. Now, yeah. This, I think that movie pretty well near killed him. Yeah. That fucking movie. Yeah. Don't do movies, kids. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. sounds kill exciting. You. Yeah, they'll fucking kill you. Kill you. They're the death Starring all... roles are nothing. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The yeah. Uh, now, okay, it's supposed to be comic versus comic in this uh, charity when boxing the fuck match. Is this? Really? When, when is it? It's like yeah. a, it was supposed to be in October, but now they change it to May 2014 because one of the accountants broke his jaw. Oh, fantastic! In, in, the, in, the, in, in, a, in a boxing in a boxing match, and he had headgear on, which I don't under. I thought that eliminated broken jaws. No. I thought you meant like Apparently those big doesn't. inflatable. Gloves. No, no, not those like uh, sumo things? wrestling no. things. No, no. The uh, oh, okay, you can break your nose. What are you doing that for? I don't. What's I've, the I've always wanted uh, cancer. Uh, 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 cancer. Fight to They'll stop never cancer. cure that. Yeah, I just, know. Uh, don't, yeah, just no. Broken jaw or not, there's still going to be cancer. Answer. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, if if uh, you had to get into uh, the ring with another comic to uh, have a boxing match, who would it be? First Andre of all, Andre Aruda. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know Andre, he's a little short uh, basket of, uh, fun. of of fun, fun. Yeah. comedy. But I'd knock him right off his scooter in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he had the scooter in the ring, that would be uh, He'd run over my foot, the little fucker. He's always doing that. I yeah. had to put. I have had to take apart that little fucking Let's scooter not get so on many that. times. Let's yeah. not get on that because we're going to burn the fucking White House yeah. down if we start talking about that. The, uh, and Darren, uh, a comic that you would like to get into the ring with? First of all, there's quite the line. 
Yeah. Uh, and there's probably quite a line who want to fight me. Yeah. Uh, but there's many. Sure, I, I would box anyone. Any, I don't care. Any, any names? Well, what do you want? Do I start naming names? Sure. Sure. Uh, fucking Richard Lett, Andre, okay. uh, uh, Andrew Gross. Yeah. I have thousands of enemies in this game. Okay. So, There's so many. See, yeah. That's Fuck great. You went for an enemy. That that gives you that psychological edge in the boxing sure. ring. Where uh, I just pick because of size. Yeah. And I'm an older man. Right. Sure. I, I'd kill him. I really would. Yeah. I, and I like him. That's sure. the weird part. But yeah, you know, yeah. he would be fodder. I, I would like to punch How long him. is his arm? Like, I know I've got reach. <laughs> I know I've got reach. That's right. And that's something to do with winning. That's right. I don't think the, the only thing that Andre has over you is that... Uh, I think it's just the whole uh, Mike's a, a bully thing, and everyone would be like, "How could he? How could he how do could that? He, how, could, but yeah. how funny would it be <laughs> if you okay. one punch? You would be that main main event, and the undercard would be me versus Amanda Brooke Perrin. That's that would be the undercard. Well, she that, wouldn't show up. That'd be pretty hot. <laughs> if anytime that you have to, if, anytime that you have to bend over to punch someone in the face, that's probably not a fair. What fight. about a stool? Yeah, <laughs> or some stilts. Yeah, he can wear stilts. What's the stilts. Yeah, yeah fuck otherwise that. it's it would be. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he's unfair. had that. Training? He's already worked at the circus before. He's probably done stilt yeah. training. Oh, oh yeah. I, uh, I'm a all, stick. They're all forced that way. He can have a stick. Yeah. Okay, give him a stick. The oh. stick that some of them wipe their ass with. They can just put oh, the ass, something on the Give him an ass, ass stick. Yeah. Yeah. Put a glove on the dirty well, um, end of yeah. an ass stick yeah. and come at me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a boxing glove that is sure. like a sponge that he's, yeah. that's been uh, to smelly places. That at one places. time, you know, fucking pop the boil on your ass, and then it just fucking starts popping people Winner. in the face. Winner. Already, I'm already out. You're I'm already out. done. Who? Do you know who you're fighting? I don't know who I'm fighting it. We all have to qualify. Nikki Payne. She'd kill you. <laughs> I would yeah, fight right you. Yeah, but that's like she'd be into hair pulling and scratching oh, eyes yeah. out. Oh, yeah. She'd, she'd, she'd fight you. dirty. She'd yeah. come at your feet first. Yeah. Dude. Now, I'm, fr- I'm, fr- I'm friends with Paul Haywood, and I'd like to punch him in the face. Sure. For no good reason. Like, I, I can't even think of why well, I want to do that. With that you can still break your nose like that. Yeah. Because yeah. well, there's no nose guard or anything. We'll see what happens. And it's a violent thing. Why? You're not, you're not a violent guy. Violence is good on you. Right. But I've never seen you become violent. Yeah, no, I have... Uh, I've been a, a victim of violence, but a lot of the violence that I've been a victim of, I've uh, called it uh, in. Uh, I brought it on myself. Yeah, they, they, like a couple of the slapping videos of, from Rob Pugh and shit like oh, that. That's funny yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the slapping video, I was there. Yeah, that well, was fucking. They, gold. they continued that up at the cottage festival yeah, thing. I, I laughed. You have trouble with the cottage shit too. It's too many. I now call it the Royal Canadian Cottage Comedy Fest. Like, make it even more fucked up to say. Yeah, yeah. Cottage comedy. Com- com- it, was, com- it was tough. It's tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But August 10th, you did it last year, right? Oh, this is my third. It's a threebie. Right. So, yeah, wow. I told the kid when he you. started it, I said, rent me a cabin. Right. And I'll be your I'll, I'll be your whore for the, sure. for, for the week. I right. love it up there. Yeah. yeah. And he ended up renting a beautiful place. So my wife got involved. So I'm sort of out of that hole. The reason being, originally, it was going to be a bunch of me and some of my guy friends would go and, 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 and smoke indoors sure. and spit on the floor of some wonderful cabin. Right. But it, and instead, he gave us something beautiful. So now my family's ruined the entire <laughs> trip for me. So there won't be any comics staying there. Right, right. It's just me and the kids and the grown-ups. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and basically, and I, I won't even go in. I'll just sit on the dock. It's just like going. It's just like it'll, I'll be on the porch. Like I'm always on at home. Right. I think I was in. there last year. Was I there? I don't know. I think no, it was two, two years, years ago. ago. Two, 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 two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. When and you Tom, fell asleep outside of your room. Right. And then someone showed me the photo of me passed out in front of my uh, yep. door. Classy. That no. Yep. Uh, then that didn't. That doesn't bother me anymore. 
I've, I've realized <laughs> that I don't... Enough time has gone by. No, not enough time. Remember, uh, I was doing the show, and it was the roast of Tyler Morrison, and then I was... Uh, oh, I, I was think there. I was at I the podium, that. and then, then a guy ran up to the stage and showed the photo of me passed out in front yeah. of my room. Yeah, that um, takes the edge off a roast. Yeah. When they've got that kind of, uh, well, that when kind they of evidence <laughs> on you. Yeah, when they have a humiliating photo of everyone on yeah, the dais. Anything yeah. you say can now go... They just have to hold the picture yeah. up. They don't even have to have a, 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 a retort. I was quite surprised, though. Uh, there's the, pit with the photo of me passed out in front of my room, and uh, I had actually taken my glasses off and folded them quite nicely on the little ledge in front of my room. Even though you thought it was a nightstand yeah. at the time, probably. <laughs> nice. yes, right? that's, the, that's the morning that I, I, I got up and I sat on the toilet, and from the toilet uh, I threw up into the bathtub. Handy. Uh, that's funny. why they make the bathroom that way. Yeah, yeah. That's why I always, thought, that I always wondered about that. Yeah, it's Dave that Martin makes, proof. Yeah. It's, like a, it's a stamp. It's a Dave I Martin. I can brush my teeth when I take a dump. I you don't can, think that's right, yes, but you can. You can. I um. What someone told me was a thing. Don't you have a bit also about a, a, a cottage where you can cook and shit at the same time? Isn't that you? Oh, you no, that's about... when I had that fucking trailer. Yeah, your trailer, right? Yeah, yeah, trailer. yeah, yeah. And you had a bit of that. You could actually shit and cook in the and, oven. Yeah, the, the stove was right in front of the yeah, toilet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember, yeah. I wonder how long it'll take me to pass a hot dog through my butt. Yeah. <laughs> I can bring that back. I'm in America now. No one fucking knows. <laughs> you are in America now, and how is that so far? Oh, well, yeah, stupid. you're going down to Los Angeles, aren't you? Yeah, it's stupid. I, it took five or six years uh, for these guys to convince me, because I like Britain. Sure. So I finally went okay, and, and we're going. They're, they're quite good at managing and all that crap. It's all, this is me happy. Right. Like, I'm like I'm thrilled that I'm, I'm 50. I'm trying somewhere new. It's intimidating. Yeah. And uh, But so far, the gigs have been fantastic. Right. Sure. So, uh, you know, there have been uh, cool rooms. I, I was in, Ve- I did Vegas for a couple of weeks in Harris, and... Uh, some of those nights were odd mm-hmm. just because you were like the ninth thing they want to do. Right. And everything not... else is sold out and they, yeah. yeah and yes. and, and they can't, they can't, and these are people that stop for people that have clipboards. Right. Because that's all these tickets. Sure. That's how they get them. You yeah, know? yeah, so, yeah. So they're, they're, it's pretty rough. But I did a music fest in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago that was fantastic. Summer, summer fest. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I you saw yeah. some of your posts about that, yeah. It was so, on the 4th of July in America, yeah. watching Rush right. and Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. That's they, a little weird. No yeah. one protested that? No, no they, no, they they don't even fucking know. I think they think they're Americans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, everyone in Milwaukee, everyone else in America thinks people from uh, Wisconsin are Canadians. Right. Because yeah. they they seem to be cold all the time. Are you going, now, do you go down to the States to do, like, to tour and do clubs and stuff, or are you going to Los Angeles to find a... Uh, a comedy a situation for them to put you in comedy uh, sitcom wise. I, I was in uh, Montreal. I went specifically this year to Montreal to have a meeting uh, with my manager and and or managers, and uh, yeah, they just want me there because that's where they are, right? To make it a hub. And yes, it'll be that pilot season crap. Even though I said I just want to, I'm more concerned about the stand up. And they said, okay, we'll just make that your hub then. But that way, well, at least we, you know, we can go yeah, out all the time. Yeah, definitely We can fly you out. They don't have and... many clients. Yeah. So they, we can take you out ourselves. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have, of course, you have to have a manager and an agent. Yes. So my agent is really quite good, but uh, only with, with only when Mark and Joe are, are, are uh, on top of it. Why, right. is, why is, it, is it in this country that there aren't? There are no managers, but there are lots of agents. What are you going to manage? I know. Well, that's, yeah. I guess. What are you going to yeah. manage? Financially, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there are a few managers. Gonna, I mean, Warren Perlmutter is a manager. You'll spend and... 20%, and you're going to be sitting in, if you do auditions, you'll be sitting in the same room with the same fucking people, just like you always are. Who don't yeah. have a manager. Who right. don't have a manager, yes. and take care of themselves. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Just motivated people. Yes. 
I mean, there is there is definitely a hole there, but I don't know if there's enough financial or go-getters that would make sense for them to be a manager in this country. Plus, you're, thinking, you're looking at America where an agency like APA can have thousands of people they're representing. Sure. That's why you need a manager just to get to, to talk to your agent. Right. You need yeah. a fucking manager. Right. You know, just to, can you organize dinner? Yeah, yeah. You know, we can just all go out. Right. And so try to get on the same page. But I just... Uh, I just got to go tell jokes. I don't give a fuck. Now, how is how is you you went this year to JFL? You've been many times, but how has JFL changed for you, or has it very much stayed the same? Um, well, my my attitude towards it has changed immensely because when I first went there, I, the first few times I was terrified, right? And I was so excited, so it was all extreme, yeah, uh, feelings. Sure, uh, every feeling uh, to the ex- yeah highs, the, lows, it's the yeah. upteen. Sure, but then over the years, you you actually settle into it. Right, and you start to realize these are the best people to entertain because, how I always thought this: how come we're I, how, I'm less worried doing like the eat in the house on a Tuesday, yeah, full of like <laughs> fucking drunks at the bar and whatever the hell's going on, drunk newfies and fat yeah, chicks, yeah, 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 people that don't know what there's a show on. What is this? You know, right. and I'm not nervous at all, but I would be nervous in front of what 500, 600, maybe a thousand people that have spent fifty bucks a pop. That are dying for it should be you should be less nervous for that, and finally it is like that now. I'm right. less nervous now in a good room. Sure. And and I'm just less nervous in fucking general. I've done this so long, and, you know. Yeah, of course. And I love. There's a beautiful thing about being fifty, where fuck you just yeah. comes out of you. Right. Like yeah, kiss my ass. <laughs> this is all for me now. Yeah, of course. I'm on borrowed time. Yep. Um, no, I, I want to ask you because you were—I uh, was really excited because the first time that I ever did a road like uh, like a road gig or like a club uh, gig where we were on the road together, it was me, you, and Billy Cowan uh, when there was a club up in Sudbury. Oh Jesus! Yeah, and um, there and uh, after one of the shows, we went back to your place—not uh, your well, your hotel room. <laughs> they buy me a place <laughs> everywhere yeah, I yeah. go. Yeah, a cabin. Yeah, um, a floor you can spit the, on. It's part of the and a, yeah, and a spittable floor. Yeah. If not, fuck it, I'm out of there. <laughs> nice to see you again, Mr. Wilmot. Here are your keys. <laughs> the uh, no, and uh, so um, now, Andre Rudis chopped you some wood for the fireplace. Oh, see, I'd pay to see that. Yeah, we got yeah. Uh, and and so we got some like uh, like submarine sandwiches, and then we went back to your hotel room. And we we were watching some. We were watching a bit of the uh, the porn awards, uh, and it was hosted by Bobby. Bobby, Slayton. that's right. Yeah, yeah Jesus. and uh, I want to ask: Is that ever one of your goals? Because no. there's a good list of comics that have done. I know Jim Norton's hosted the porn awards. Oh, no, Bobby no. Slayton, Otto and George, Bill, Bill Hicks. My uh, favorite is still Otto and George. Hosting you know, the porn you know awards? what happened to him recently, right? No, what? Oh, you don't know this? No. Oh man, I saw. I left you a message about this. He went to Newfoundland. He landed in Newfoundland. Didn't feel well. They rushed him to the hospital. And he they induced a coma, and he was in Newfoundland for like three weeks. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, Newfie coma. Yeah. Mm. Fuck me. Yeah, so sorry you to sure bring that him, on. You, no, are you sure yeah. it's, it's yeah. him and not the dummy? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's happened before. I'm sure. You know, if he's not operating, yeah. it looks dead. Yes. It really does. That's a coma. That was, yeah, funny. No, he's one of my favorites, too. I mean, oh, when yeah. I did the nasty show in 05, <coughs> I watched every, like, all 15 shows. The only person I watched was Otto and It George. makes, he just, he, he kills all me from the minute times. he goes on stage. Yes, yes. And what always made me laugh was uh, Dice Clay sealing his bits, but... Not realizing the funny thing was him being able to turn to the dummy of at course. any moment and go, "Hey, there's ladies here." Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. what that's what destroys yeah. me. Yeah, I, 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 first time I met him, we we did the old club soda, the first nasty show. They only had like two or three of them. Yeah, 
Imagine that. A, sure. How relaxing that used to be. Sure. What are they? 20 nasty shows now? Yeah, Just about. Because like it's yeah. the show that everyone wants to see. It's, it's the, the cash cow. It's this yeah. one that sells out immediately. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, yep. that's how you pay for all, uh, all the other comics. The uh, I want the one story that I, I do want to tell about when we were uh, in Sudbury is that uh, we were watch, started watching the porn awards and they showed clips of the movies that were being nominated. And then they had the Bobby Slayton was hosting and he throws the, ca- the comedy category. And they had a, a Tonight Show parody. Uh, was one of the pornos, and uh, so the guy playing the Johnny Carson, and then the girl who's the guest on the couch, she starts blowing him, and then the guy that was playing Ed McMahon looks at him and goes, "You are erect, sir." Oh boy! <laughs> Which I thought that was funny, and then they showed a little bit more of the. Uh, um, a li- That's little bit fantastic! They, they showed. I, I love that. I thought that was great writing. They uh, showed that. Uh, they showed a little bit more of the scene, and then uh, you and I are eating our, our subs, and then uh, <laughs> and then at one point you look over at me while they're showing this porno scene, and you just go. You're gonna have to leave now. <laughs> that sounds about I was like, right. I, uh, I understand, I understand what's going on. And then the next morning, when we went to uh, we went to go and get something to eat at like the mall, there is it was a bit a... more uh, baritone in my voice. Than <laughs> yeah. The next time you do my voice, well, I, I, I'll oh, just make it so crisp. It's it's uh, there's something down there. And I think uh, I think you might have actually ordered a pizza that night too, because I think I went to your room the next morning and there's was... coffee and a pizza. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> but we had subs and the pizza, and then I when, when I went to your room the next morning, it was like a there was like a big shoe print in the middle of the pizza box and then there were some cigarette butts out <laughs> in the pizza. Like you got angry at your food at some point. We're just like, I'm going to show you pizza and put some cigarettes out. No, that's, no that's, that's what I do to food. <laughs> it's not out of anger. It's, it's just out of waste. Pure waste. Yeah. First world waste. Yes. And I, I think I killed the, on the th- Thursday and you gave me a cigar and then I bombed the first show on the Friday. <laughs> and you took it back? And then you were like, give me my fucking cigar back. <laughs> Oh, I'm horrible. You know, uh, I'm much better now. But every sober old, are good numbers for Dave Martin. Every, One in three good shows. Every, good for you, Dave. Every that set. is amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, as he tells the story, it, yeah. it improves all the time. <laughs> then you I, jerked off in my pizza. Yeah. Remember? Don't you? So no. we're so August tenth. We only have about two minutes left. August tenth oh. at the uh, Royal Canadian Cottage Comedy Festival. Yes, the, the Cottage Creek Comedy Festival dot com for tickets. And who else is on your show? Do you know? I, I don't. Uh, uh, Davis. Oh, Kate, Kate Davis. Davis. And, okay. And uh, a few other folks. I know Kate's on because she's our neighbor. Okay. And she told me All right. just recently. So go there for tickets. And uh, Mike's your Twitter Harlan handle. Harlan Williams is there on the 7th. Yes, he is. Harlan is there. And, uh, and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. And Dave Morhez. The kid is doing great this time. Yes. Morrison knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He does. He seems to, yeah, he uh, puts together a pretty good show up there. He should move down south. He the, should. Uh, yeah. We need him. Yeah. And it's always a delight to drive past your house in the morning, Mike, and see you having a cigarette on your front porch. When I do porch <laughs> tweets, yeah. yeah. Those are all on the What's your the Twitter porch. handle? So People can get them. Oh, uh, uh, Mike Wilmot won. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just a couple of, It's pathetic. A couple of times I've driven past your house on the way to Ajax with another comic, and I'll be like, look, that's where Mike Wilmot lives. And the next thing the comic usually goes, seriously? <laughs> I thought he was doing well. <laughs> he thought he works in England. <laughs> that house is on an angle. The, o- the only reason we're still in that fucking house is we're lazy. Yeah. Right. It, we, I've been making pretty, you know, it's okay. Yeah. But we, every time we we're, when we move to L.A., we're keeping that fucking house. Okay. We're still going to rent the, the sure. crack house. The raccoons underneath are happy. Why, oh, they're why, they're yeah. keeping it up. Yeah, of course. You got horse hair in the uh, walls in for In the walls, we have horse hair and laugh. Wow. <laughs> what, what's the second thing? Laugh. It's a uh, thin bits of board yeah. that they paint horse hair and uh, and uh, some other material on. I, I My hardware knowledge is, is wow. limited. Oh. Well, I, I just hope Holy we don't shit. spit on the floor. That's all. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks for coming. All right. Thank you, Mike, for coming in. You can. This is your place. Spit away. Spit away. Yeah, they wouldn't find that.
Guess which host has to start their car with a breathalyzer? This is Anything Goes. Hey, this is Gavin Crawford. You can follow me on Twitter at TVGavin. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. On Sirius XM. From an undisclosed location obeying all their court orders, this is Anything Goes. Uh, if you're just uh, tuning in, this is Anything Goes for the week of... July 31st. July 31st, as you've corrected me twice already yes. about that. Uh, it is uh, July 31st. Uh, we had just had Mike Wilmot on. Uh, and our second guest um, in the final segment of the show is uh, comedian Daryl War. How are you, Daryl? I'm great, guys. How are you? Uh, We're doing good. good All right. Good. I think I can't tell if I'm a slightly hungover from the beer fest or I have West Nile. And then uh, I was yeah, talking. You mentioned that earlier, and, uh, and yeah, and we both agreed not to Google any symptoms. Yeah, don't do that because it'll be cancer. Every yeah, time. it'll be cancer. West Nile will lead to cancer. <laughs> Somehow, one way or another. But Even I mean, being hungover will lead to cancer. It should. Everything Google. does. Yeah. yeah. All roads lead All to roads cancer. All roads go to cancer. Yeah. yeah. That's the next That's CBC right. show for, uh, you know, Road to Avonlea. The cast and yeah. crew move That's on to All That's going to be the roads. name of my first album. I think. <laughs> All, All roads lead, lead to, to cancer. cancer. Yeah. It'll yeah. be my last album, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there'll be a memorial at sure. the end. Can I talk about Amanda Brooke Marin, too? Because yeah, you please. guys have been talking about her, yeah. and uh, everyone's wondering why she's. What a flower. She's, a nice, uh, easygoing girl. Yeah. Me, everybody uh, is wondering why she's scared of yeah. you. And sure. And I think the reason is it's Amanda Brooke Perrin. Yeah. Is I that just that, her own paranoia? Oh, yeah. she's very easily frightened. Oh, she's, okay. Yeah. She's kind of like, what is, is it? Is she like fawn? one of those, like those little uh, dogs? Doe? The little dogs that kind of shake like all the time? Like a deer where you just, like, if you make a move, it's yeah. in, she goes into the bushes. Yeah. If you yeah. Make like the little dog that shakes all yeah. the time. A little exactly. nervous. That's you know? right. Yeah. yeah. She, sure. Yeah. Well, that's okay. So I think that that's a pretty... Yeah, I mean, uh, good explanation. So fuck it, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to yeah, change. I wouldn't worry about. I'm it. not going to change for a little dog that shakes all the time. I would, no, that. because I w- she's uh, she's going to be frightened of you. She'll yeah. probably be more frightened if you try to change because right. you'll be, you know, on yeah. point. Now you, yeah. but, but see, then but she'll be paranoid that now she knows that you have the information that you were yes. uh, that she Amanda was afraid Brooke of. Yeah. Paranoid parent, right? Oh, man. Exactly. Uh, that's a wrestling name. Yeah, that's now, very good. Just comes out to Aussie music and just fucking. Yeah, <laughs> and then just is like tr- trembling. Yeah, the uh, now uh, okay. How long have you been doing uh, stand up, Daryl? Uh, six years, and okay. probably each year uh, more serious than the previous. Yeah, because when I first started uh, in my first year, I was a uh, chicken. I think I probably only did like one set a month. I can remember a couple times where I got all the way to the place where the show was, right. got to the door, sure, turned around and, and went left. home. Yeah, 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 terrified. People don't realize that happens more than. People think, yeah, because I had a few friends back in the day when I was on open mics. They did that a lot. Well, see, and whenever I meet somebody who's new, just starting comedy, because I still do a lot of open mics in Toronto. So almost every month, I meet somebody who's on their first, second, third set, whatever. Sure. I always say, do as many. There, you can usually do one, two, three open mics a night in Toronto that you mm-hmm. can just go sign up for and walk on. So I say, do as many shows as you can every night, just because that's what I didn't have the balls to do when right. I started. Right. So I feel right. like I'd be further ahead. Only last, only two years ago, I think I really decided to start doing it every night, and that's when things actually started to happen. So, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I do think also at a certain point there are certain shows that you can't avoid too. Sure, but, I mean you got to get up, and it, it takes. 
But it, if you it, can't, if nobody's going to put you on, then you got to go on wherever you can get on. Yeah. And then once you actually start getting booked at places that might have 12 people in the audience, right. then you can maybe pass on a couple of open mics. But uh, right. before that, you got to do what you got to do, right? There was, um, I think one of the first times uh, I saw you, I don't know how long you've been doing this bit, but, um, and I don't know, at what point did you... It's it's the bit where you talk about, and I know we can't really get too much into how visual. Yeah, the guys I vis- look like? Is that yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's that it's that very hack comedian bit about that you'll do off the top that a lot of comics do. I mean, Darren and I both have similar sure. bits. That yeah, I, yeah. Um, I look like yeah, this person. Yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody like, has it. The, right. elephant, the elephant in the room, audiences look at you, they'll make that comparison. No but it's that easy that. thing that like a lot of people can relate to uh, quite immediately when you say, uh, hey, I know what you're thinking, I look like a cross between, or I look like this and that. Yeah. And I don't. at what point did you notice that that was like a hack bit and decide to do, because you do like a well, string I of always, them. I always noticed that it was, but I remember one night I was in a like a small show and I think two guys had gone on in a row and they both, two guys did in a row yeah. were like, I know what you're thinking I look like this celebrity and this celebrity had sure. a baby. I, it's I always thought, my favorite when they're two dudes that have yeah, uh, had the baby. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, I'm just going to go home, even just as a writing <laughs> exercise, <laughs> I'm going to go home and try to write a bunch of these. Sure. And then, uh, well, yeah, first I thought, I'll just go home <laughs> and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I wrote about 12 of them, and then the first show that I did them on, I just read them. And I just basically read them under the pretense of, like, I want to be a professional comic. You have to talk about what you look like. Yeah. I think I got it surrounded. Here we go. And I started reading them, and they were they got a huge response right off the bat. So I just started doing them. And uh, it's kind of turned into, like, the, I think the first year that I was doing them, then everybody started making them back at me, and I was getting a little irritated because I thought, this is, this is past the point. Sure. Now I'm turning into the hack that I thought I was making fun of yes, in the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah, there's a, there, that can happen, yeah. But uh, now I just kind of embrace... Like, I do them maybe at the end of a set, or I'll do them in the beginning of the set and do a couple in between, but they're I like them. They're great. Well, they're no, funny. but okay, can you name it? No, like, I look it. like a guy who worked in the control room in Apollo 13, right? Yeah. Something like that. Sure. And then you have, like, an archaeologist one. Oh, that's the... I look like an... The archaeologist who gets pissed off at how unrealistic the Indiana Jones movies are. <laughs> right, 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 right. So they're pretty specific. Yeah, that's, and non-specific at the same time. That's because not, I don't that's actually say, that's like, I hack. look like David Cross, but I don't get on stage and say I look like David Cross. The closest thing I get to that is, I look like that guy from Arrested Development, right, everybody? And then right. usually they'll cheer and right. I'll say, Jason Bateman. You know? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right. But it's sort of like, like the first time that I saw you do them, it was like, you did like two or three, you did like one or two of them, and I was like, okay, well, this is what everyone does, and then you did about four of them, and <laughs> then it was sort of like, oh, okay, and then it's like, holy shit, how many of these is he going to do? Yeah. See, I- and then it got, and then after you did about like six or seven of them, then I was like, it's sort of like that when like, you know, when you see Family Guy just beat a joke to death, yeah. and it yes. then eventually- and then it becomes funny again. And funnier again. Yeah, it was That's kinda, what I liked it's about kind of like that, yeah. Well, for me, I used to do for years, I never did it on stage, I would only do it with comics, and I'd do celebrity heads, and I almost became addicted to it, where I could find two people like- Right, like that. Yeah. And to me, for you, uh, right away, it would be Clint Howard yep. and Ned Flanders. Yeah. Oh, Ned Flanders. Wow, that's a new one for me. I don't know. Clint Howard I got because the uh, Apollo 13 yes. joke. Yes. Everybody thinks that's a Clint yes. Howard reference. Yes. And that was just a reference to the glasses that I was wearing yeah, when yeah. I first wrote that joke, yeah. which were just like the, you know, typical gl- yep. 60s glasses or whatever. Yep. But, uh, everybody thinks that's Clint Howard, which is great. He's a great actor. No, no, He's a course. beautiful man, too. Sure. So why wouldn't I want to yeah. be compared to him? He's breathtaking. Yeah. 
And he's now, got a now cool Dave brother. told me that your background, and I did not know this, you're a jazz musician. Yeah, right? I play jazz saxophone. Uh, I did that uh, before I ever did comedy. That's kind of right. what I did coming right out of high school. I was going to try to be a musician and maybe a music teacher too. And uh, I just didn't really, wasn't really feeling it, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Like, right. I, I love playing music. I love playing jazz. But it just seems like, uh, particularly in Canada, like it, it's just, I mean, stand-up comedy to make any money at has been a breeze compared, compared to, to yeah, of course. trying to make money at yeah, jazz. Yeah, right? yeah. Like you, sure. If you want to do a, a big thing uh, with jazz, you basically have to submit to the government, try to get a Canada Grants. Council grant. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they're few and far between. And you're competing with, uh, you're, you're competing with uh, people who have been doing it for four. Like you'll compete with, uh, for these grants with your teachers at yeah, Humber right, College right, or U of T right. who are still, who are amazing. I mean, yeah, of course. And still out there working. So it's, it's, you know, it's pretty hard. Now, a lot of people compare stand-up comedy to jazz. I don't I've know if you've ever heard that before or yeah. not. And now that you've, you've kind of been in both circles, do you ever see any kind of comparisons or is it just an easy one? Because I think part of the reason that they used a jazz analogy is the fact that in jazz, maybe not always the best musician is maybe the star of jazz at that moment. Mm. There may be a lot of amazing players that kind of Toil in obscurity. Where in stand-up, it might be the same way. Like may, many people may not think Dane Cook is the most amazing, but he may be most most popular. Do right? You know what are I you mean? saying that he might be like the Kenny G of, of the comedy scene? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. At? Unfortunately, yeah. I, like, I, mean, I, I always I, have this line I where I say, say that, but you yeah, know, I, I always think it's funny that, that uh, everybody has like a Kenny G of a like Dane Cook. Sure. Circuit, because I play saxophone, and the Kenny G of saxophone playing is Kenny G. Right. <laughs> That's what we have to put up with, but. Uh, I don't know. There's probably a lot of comparisons. I mean, it is a performance art. Both mm -hmm. are performance arts. Uh, they're different. Uh, jazz doesn't really require the audience reaction sure. like comedy does. Right. right. So there's that. And uh, personally, I think my comedy is a bit different from playing saxophone because I do a lot of improvising on the saxophone. But most of my stand-up is pretty screwed. I'm just trying to get it uh, uh, more a little comfortable looser? with. Yeah, a little right. looser. But uh, most of it's pretty scripted right now, what but I do in stand-up. But when I see a lot of other people, like when I see Mike, or when I see somebody like Dave Merhaj, right. or when I see a lot of other people get on stage and their style is really loose, mm -hmm. I really see a comparison to that, to what I do on the saxophone. Right. And I would love to get to that point with comedy one day, right. too, but I feel like it'll take a while. Or even a lot of storytelling comics. You can see the kind of ebb and flow and, you know. Yeah, the... there's, it's like there's a rhythm to it that yes. exists in music, and right. it's kind of like, uh, you. I can see it in comedy, but I know I don't have it yet. I know. Yeah, I but there's it. always that thing where, like, people can often give off the appearance where it looks like you're improvising, and that's oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. But I think you, I think when I you see say, him and you're like, oh, yeah. I thought that was all off the cuff, and then but and then you're like, oh, you are a lot more scripted than I. No, thought No, I you agree were. with that 100. percent And I can think of people who you're who you're probably talking about. But I know when I saw like when I mentioned like Mike and Dave, for instance, uh, I've seen them do a lot of sets, and I feel like it is pretty yeah. close. Like what? I don't know if they would think that they're similar, but just from the Mike outside Mike is very kind of yeah. off the top. Yeah. yeah. When he's doing sets at the Eaton House or, or those yeah, kinds of Yeah, he was doing places. a lot of sets a couple of weeks ago because he was getting ready for yes. Just for Laughs. So yeah. I saw him at a lot of rooms, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, he's one of the few guys yeah. still in Toronto that is actively him, uh, sometimes Kenny a little bit and Mark yep. Walker, yep. but there's not that many kind of veteran, you know, 20 plus year guys that are out there 
hitting the rooms. That's yeah, for sure. Rooms. Yeah. Well, he, he was, and he was he was doing great, and everybody loved it. It was a huge inspiration to a lot of, because he was doing shows with people who have been doing comedy like a year or sure. something like that, and they loved having him out. Well, I th- I thought it was funny before the show we were talking, and you said that uh, the jazz musician, uh, the, the the jazz scene wasn't necessarily paying for the bi- paying the bills. So naturally, someone would go t- into stand up comedy <laughs> yeah. to take care of that. <laughs> well, issue. comedy's not really either, but it is a little. It's it's a little it's better. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I just got signed with Yucks in January, so now I'm actually doing some gigs for money. Right. And it is, uh, yeah, it's a little better. Money. But you had your first East Coast tour with, and, and what a guy, you went out with Kenny Robinson, yeah. of all the people to well, go out with, too. I went, first I went to Halifax, and I did a few shows out there with uh, uh, everyone who was out there, like Brian Alward and sure. uh, um, and the like. and uh, Brian Thompson, I, all those guys. Yeah, Brian Thompson and uh, Mike McQueen. Yep. And uh, then I was in uh, Newfoundland with uh, Brian uh, and I middled on that show, and there was a local comic hosted named Matt Wright, who's mm-hmm. he's from Newfoundland. He's very, very funny. Watch out for him because uh, he's only been doing a year and a half, and he's very strong. And then the following week, I did a show that was just me and Kenny Robinson. I did a half an hour out front, and then Kenny did an hour, mm-hmm. and that was a great show. A, and plus, I stayed in the condo with Kenny, too, for four days, so that was a trip. It, I, made, I made him breakfast the set, the first morning that we were there together. I made breakfast because I was like, there was a little bit of ice, and I thought, ah, maybe I'll try to break it. Yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah, make him yeah, breakfast, and, yeah. and it worked. So it was yeah. great. We talked like all day. I think that day. So yeah, that's great. really. Uh, it's just uh, yeah. It's always weird when you it's like the guys that you just are so familiar with seeing on stage immediately. Then you're, then you're having breakfast with them, or yeah. like, like me and Mike when we were first on tour. I was like having this hungover breakfast with the uh, with the the guy that uh, I'd just known as this like uh, you know really funny comic on stage it was just it was yeah. weird to see, see that for the first time yeah 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 the uh <clears throat> what else uh how no we we got it we can't we uh, talk forever left, we gotta yeah. wrap it up you're gonna okay. be doing the east end comedy review yeah i'll be playing saxophone on it which you really warned me about because well, you said saxophone on its own is uh, uh that's right so let's warn the listeners about <laughs> sure. it. Let's, let's put everybody yeah. off let's call back to that no i i just was thinking that sax solo saxophone as musical accompaniment for a comedy show yeah. might sound a little thin but we're going to do it anyways. Okay. And we're going to do it well. Yeah. It's going to be great. You'll have a microphone. It's going to be amazing. We yeah, can I'll chat back and forth. Yeah, we'll chat too. Yeah. When is the day? When is oh, it's, uh, it's third, uh, this Saturday, right? August the 3rd yeah. okay. at the Dominion Queen headliners, uh, Derek Edwards. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be great. That's great. And um, just, uh, just a quick yes or no. I always like, uh, whenever people are organizing hockey games, they always have the goalie is always the person that they'll just hire out. Or they'll like they'll they always like oh man we need a goalie and and they gotta pay for the goalie yeah, yeah yeah is the saxophone player the same thing for bands oh, oh maybe similar yeah a lot of jazz is very freelance so you kind of put together whatever band you need for the for the gig that you're doing yeah. but uh, sure yeah I'll just go step in with some other bands maybe wedding bands or some party oh, bands every okay. once in a while yeah. So yeah, I'm exactly like a hockey goalie, hockey and goal. I will. Uh, You're the goalie. Yeah, and you can hire me to be your goalie too. Right. <laughs> well, we are out of time. Uh, thank you, Daryl, for coming thank on you. the show. Really appreciate it. Where, where can people find you on yeah. the internet? Is there a Twitter? Oh, uh, Twitter is Fish and a Daryl, and that's all one word. Okay. And uh, also on Facebook, I think that's about it. You can, okay. I've got some YouTube clips up, so you can see them. If you so check them out. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank Mike uh, Wilmot for coming out. Uh, Mike Wilmot One is his Twitter handle. And uh, that is the show. Uh, I don't have really much to push this week. Uh, well, I'm going to be going out east at the end of uh, August. August. Yep. And uh, come and check out the East End Comedy Review this 
Saturday at the Dominion on Queen. Uh, headliner Derek Edwards. Uh, Derek Edwards. That's uh, a huge show. Big deal. And uh, Aaron Berg's going to be on that and uh, oh, a bunch of other comics. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to stop by. If you're not around, you could, should come by. I'm going to stop by. Uh, September 1st, Emotional Terrorism, my fourth DVD, will be coming out online and in a physical product. So uh, I'll talk more about that in coming weeks. And uh, thanks to Victoria, our producer. And uh, that is the show. Until uh, next week, I guess, Dave, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Be uh, good to yourselves and each yeah. other. Uh, watch out for your butt cysts and, uh, <laughs> and don't get hooked on oxycodone. Yeah. And if you see me at a comedy show, don't try to talk to me. <clears throat> yeah. Fuck that shit. Be, a, be afraid. Be very Fuck afraid. That That's it for this week. Anything Goes wants to thank Victoria for producing the show and George Westerholm for the music used. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Comedy Whore at Dave Martin World. Download new episodes every week on iTunes. Join the Facebook group and follow the show on Twitter at Anything Goes Hot. Anything Goes hopes you laugh, cry, and learn something. Come back next week. And until then, take it easy. Welcome to the add-ons for the podcast. This week we have a couple of guests that we've interviewed in the past. Dave, who are they? Uh, this comes from the actual, I think this is from the first year that we our show is on. Wow, and when, baby uh, steps. Um, yeah, I think we're a, little bit, uh, we're a little bit awkward with our interviews with Andy Kindler and Russell Peters. Uh, these are from when they appeared at, uh, I guess, Just the first laughs. installment of the Toronto Just for yes. Last uh, uh, when they, uh, they came here. Yeah. And um, uh, they're both done at the, well, the Russell Peters one was done at, the, at Massey Hall. And uh, Russell's whole entourage was there, which is, yes. I don't, I, I never gotten to see that before. And also uh, then the Andy Killer one was done at the Winter Garden Theater. Uh, both a lot of fun uh, and both uh, really nice. They made time for us. And uh, yeah, this is uh, Kathleen and myself interviewing Andy Kindler and Russell Peters. Uh, any two senses as far as Darren goes? No, no. But you call really. these, these you call these add-ons. Yeah, I'm just I think, just just saying. Yeah. Add on to the episode you're listening to. Right, right, right. No, I just I've never heard. I've uh, I, th- I forget what the bonus bits. I think I've referred okay, to. Okay, bonus bits. I don't know. You don't give a fuck, but it's uh, oh. here. We'll, okay, here we go. Some interviews. Well, bonus bits. I don't really care what they're called. They're I'm bonus just bits. I'm just saying. Um. Well, first of all, great show tonight. I said Thank before, you. Right? One of the times I remember you were here most of all was uh, oh the, uh, yeah, early like the like the uh, nineteen ninety eight, and then when I said that you you know you had the front cover of I magazine, the front cover of the Toronto Star, and then all the shows were sold out, and uh, and I said that you know that there was because we do a show we do a, a segment on the show called Defending Your Act where uh, right you, know, you basically have to like, stick up for what you do yes, and um, I was always wondering curious in like those occasions where you did have like there was I mean. There were like seventy five. There were some walkouts that weekend. Well, you know, it was a different. It was a different act then, in yeah. a way. I was different, not different, completely different act. But the problem, not that not that, that was a problem, but the thing in the, in those days, I even remember getting angry when I was here because I was kind of not not making it worse than it was, but because they weren't getting me, I was getting upset about it and fooling, you know, kind of fooling around and kidding, right. but also being a little bit angry about it and. Uh, um, 
in the more recent years, I've gotten much better at not – see, I always used to think I'd say whatever was on my mind, which is true. Right. But a lot of times it would come out just as anger, which is fine, but it was just anger. Now I'm able to say what I'm thinking about. I'm able to bridge the gap between what, what the, how the audience is reacting and what I'm feeling right. in, a, in a mostly more constructive way than uh, getting very angry. So yeah, that, no. that, that was kind of what it was. Yeah, that's, that's what made me curious when you, when you used the word, actually, I was more angrier back then. That's what, that was the word that kind of threw me off. And I was just sort of, what, what did you mean by that? I well, was, also, it was, you know, there was the Yuck Yucks chain yeah. and Yuck Yucks, like a lot of comedy clubs – you know, um, especially comedy club chains, that they, 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 the, these chains, and I, I don't know about in Canada, but certainly in the U.S., they kind of want people to come in under the banner of the name of the chain. Right. So you don't. So the problem with that is, it's like I always use the always use the analogy of going to a movie theater. And you don't know the name of the movie. Nobody goes to a movie theater without knowing what they're saying. And so that's a part of that, which is the problem of people packing into clubs and then not knowing what they're going to, what they're seeing, and then reacting weirdly. Well, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's always one of the things that sort of I know because I work for Yak Yaks too, and and it's always sort of like, oh, where are you, who are you going to see tonight? Oh, we're going to see Yak Yaks, but people don't yes. know the actual name of the comic that they're going to see. But they just figure out what's going to be. Hopefully, it's going to be a good show, and often you know who knows what will happen. But. Um, and I guess what, what always sort of made me wonder, because it's sort of like, I mean, your act really hasn't, has it, do you think it's changed much from back then to now? Or you've just been able to get the, bridge the gap between the audiences better? You, you know, it's very strange because it's, in a way, it's like hard, the way you feel about what you're doing is not really the best gauge of it in a way, you know? Uh, I mean, I think all my favorite comics are, are very self-aware, mm -hmm. but I've noticed from watching other comics uh, that... Often, often people say to me, "Oh, the crowd was doing, the crowd was reacting better than you were acting." And I've noticed from watching other comics, over emphasize how badly they were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, like I could be do some lines that, yeah, there's 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 something that's off sometimes in how I'm I'm perceiving the crowd. It's not actually an accurate uh, an accurate portrayal of what's going on. So I don't even know sometimes if I can accurately portray what I'm doing uh, as well as somebody else seeing what I'm doing. I know what I'm trying to do, but I don't know how, how it's perceived. So did you ask, was my act different? Does yeah. It change? yeah I, don't I, I don't remember it being different. Just, no, because people who, like a lot of people, like say you saw me and you liked it, say, you weren't, a lot of times I've been feeling terrible. I'm going to give you an not, not the name drop, drop but, uh, but here comes the name. No, like I'm, I'm friends with Zach Galifianakis, and right. he's like, he loves it when I bomb. You know, well, yeah, yeah. Some of my favorite guys. I almost not that I want to see them, uh, you know, uh, have a bad set, but they're almost more entertaining when they bomb sometimes. Yeah, and and Zach tortures me because one time, which is actually true, uh, I came off the stage of the improv and I had a, a good set, and I, I actually went to high five my friends in the back. I don't know what I what I was thinking, and Zach has never let me because yeah. uh, he doesn't high five anyway. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but people seem to sometimes enjoy when I'm really not doing well, and it's really. And but you can't recreate. I'm, I don't think it's you know just when you think you've figured out stamp comedy, you're, you're, it's a mistake to think that. But I can say that in general, I don't have as many experiences like I used to have of just being completely ready to exp you know just hating what, what's going on in terms of the relationship with the audience. Well, I know that like once uh, once like I sort of did the whole like getting off amateur night part, and then you started working and started working on, in clubs and stuff. And then if it wasn't going when for you know for a while it wasn't it was going okay, but then it wasn't going amazing. But and so I just just sort of you know you kind of reach that point where you're sort of like, well, 
do I start start writing what I think is funny, or do I start trying to write what I think they think is going to be funny? And I don't think that you ever went through that. It's, it's almost like the crowd came to your side. Except for the fact that when I was first going on the road, which was the late 80s, I started on the road in April of 87. For a, for a while, for the first couple of years, I really didn't – I just – it wasn't even like I thought – should I do crowd-pleasing stuff? I thought you did stuff to get the crowd. See, I didn't even – I was so naive in a right. way. I was like, oh, you do stuff that gets the crowd going. Of course, in, you have to have a desire. I never could have been like super blue or super dirty because it's not in me. But I was doing stuff that was more crowd-pleasing. And then I realized after two, a couple of years, three or four years, oh, the crowds don't know anything. You know? Right. <laughs> and, and they vary greatly. So you can never base it on the crowds. So, yeah, I, I feel very lucky in that I've never had to – go through that because in general even though my er the early stuff I was doing well, I think was hacky was obviously hackier well then you could be have the greatest goals in the world in your your first stuff and you could be hilarious before you start comedy and there's going to be a lot of mixed results when you first start right. but I never it's it's true that I never really went except for that early time where I went oh yeah the crowd likes it it's good and I'll never forget uh, Al Lubell. You know, yeah. Al Lubell is a hilarious comic. And I asked him early on. It was probably about four years in. I said, well, what do you think of my act? I said, what do you think of my act? Tell me for sure. And he goes, he goes, well, look, you know, and I was doing a lot more stuff about sex and stuff, yeah. you know, and, and, and he's like, you know, it's, if you, in terms of getting laughs, it's good, but is it really who you are? And it was, really was important that he said that because he said it in a very caring way. You know, not that I would have, if he hadn't said that, I wouldn't have, right. <laughs> but, but it, it, was, it was very helpful to move me to, oh, I see, it's not just what the crowd's doing, you know? Now, uh, when we were talking earlier today, you mentioned that you thought that the crowds were, so crowds these days were a little bit smarter. Do you still, like, I, I don't know, where does that come from? Well, you know, I never want to use the word smarter because I always feel like when you use the word smarter, then you're in a way saying like, you know, you're doing jokes about a Dostoevsky novel that you expect the crowd to have yeah. seen or you're doing stuff about particle physics and they understand the premise. I, I think, uh, yes, I mean, you can say smarter, but you can also say, oh, just oh, people who are open. I mean, comedy, it really, to not be cliche-like, but it is a relationship between you. It doesn't exist outside of the relationship. It's, it's not something you do home, you know, yeah. it, and now it doesn't rely on one crowd, but it's always a relationship. And I just feel like, you know, the, the, the 90s homogenization and pasteurization of comedy and making everything, it just was the last place people I know who like comedy would think to go would have been a comedy club, you know, to, to see comedy because yeah. it was considered such a cheesy profession. I think that's gone now. I don't think people even remember that there was this horrible comedy boom. Uh, oh, you I mean the, uh, the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, like the right? late 80s, early 90s when it was all these chains and just, you know, my, my image of it is a big bubbling uh, pot of nacho sauce in the back. Like, does it ever like? I mean, because you do a lot of sort of very inside material. Does that ever like? Does it ever catch you off guard when like an audience will pick up on that? And you sort of does it ever surprise you when they sort of know something that you thought oh, only only comics are going to get this? Well, you know, there's two parts to that because one part of it is if there's four comics in the room and I want to do a reference to Johnny Yoon or whoever it is of, of a comedian that maybe nobody knows about, I'm not saying. Oh, I do it because these people are in the know and these other people aren't in the know. I'm doing it on two levels, you know. It's like I want everyone to laugh and then I want to make my friends laugh. And so um, – but most of the stuff I do is not inside anymore, I think, because so people are so um, aware of – also, if, if, if people have any idea of the – have any similar taste to mine, then, you know, I grew up with Woody Allen and Albert Brooks and David Letterman and Johnny Carson, all these people who – 
talked and commented about. I'm sorry, and commented about their act while they did their act. So I kind of I think bring people in that way, and I also think people know so much about show business now that they like. I did a bit tonight about it, how bad is it that you know Hitler needs a gimmick. Yeah. I think people all relate to that uh, culture being shoved down their throat and being sold to them. Now, um, <coughs> do you think any of that? Um, I'm also here with Kathleen McGee. Hi. <laughs> I know you were just sitting Hi, there. I know, you, I know you, you glanced over at Kathleen at one point. I was like, she is part of the show. You're yeah, that's right. We're not pretending that you're no, not I'm here. here. It's, all yeah. good. it's all good. It's um, all good. One thing I, I always wanted to um, ask was, because uh, uh, like, uh, when Last Comic Standing came through, uh, they, did, uh, they did Montreal one year, and they came to Toronto one year. And uh, and I got to go. To, I ended up on the Toronto finals of it, and it was a it was a unique experience. But how much do you think uh, like things like reality TV have affected how much people might know about sort of the other side of show business? Do you think that? Um, you know, because you are hosting at this. I'm not right. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm reminding you. Well, but. how do you mean in terms of how, what they know? Like, well, just uh, I mean, it just shows that backstage area, and just even when like comics would like make references to like the red light and and things, yeah, like, things yeah. like that. You just sort of like. It's uh, it's just sort of like people seem to know about that shit uh, these days more than like they would like even like ten years ago. Right. I mean, I I I wonder if certain things. I mean, whenever I say I've gotten the red light, there's still many people who don't know what that is. Right. You know, because it, it just how many times could you have heard that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but in terms of re- people, there being so many more reality shows, I don't know. I mean, I think people in general. Well, one thing I think is interesting and maybe not so great but can be interesting is that people are seeing uh, com- comedians not just doing their act but seeing them in other, in other formats. Like one of the things that's made me – I used to go online a lot to these websites and there's one that's a pretty cool website called A Special Thing. Okay. Yeah, and it's all about like alternative comedy. But I stopped going on there a lot because I would go on there and I'd get into arguments with people and I would be arguing about comedy or whatever and I realized that it kind of takes the magic away a little bit if you're on there and you're arguing and and voicing your opinion about a bit or something that should just kind of rest on its own and 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 so then what I do now when I do go online is I do uh, try to be just funnier with it and less argumentative with it. Right. So I'd rather just keep the arguments in my act. I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes on these reality shows when people see too much of who the person is, I don't think that's as, as good for your act, you know? Well, and, like I'm always very quick to defend Last Comic Standing because I know a lot of comics get up in arms and they're sort of like, oh, you know, that show's bullshit. Those aren't the best comics out there. I'm like, well... No, they're, they're the best comics that are on that show at that at that moment. Yes, and it's sort of like I mean, just it's it is a reality show and it is a television show, so they got to create some sort of drama and they have to make it entertaining. And uh, so I'm always very quick to defend. So I think as soon as I saw uh, American Idol as a show, I was like, well, that's eventually gonna they're happen. gonna they're gonna have a stand up show at that at some point. Yeah, I think, but I think a lot of the criticism was well deserved in the sense that I mean, you know, you have someone like Ant. And ants mm. criticizing your act. Yeah, it's like, come on! At some point, it's like <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, it, and so I think but that's you were what on ma- the show three years ago, Ant. I mean, you can't. Yeah, and you don't graduate to now. You can talk about the guys. That well, you he'd were be in fine. It'd be fine if he was, you know, hilarious. Right. And I mean, right. I don't want to turn this into an ant tirade, <laughs> but it's just I think that's got people to. Th- and also, like Bob and Ross, those guys were say industry guys and they were judging it just it didn't have a I think people regardless of whether you agree or not agree with the decision whether or not you like reality shows or you don't which I'm not a fan of them so I can understand that people don't like it because they just don't like reality shows right. but 
I, I don't think anyone can, would say, most people would say, oh, Greg Giraldo, Andy Kindler, and Natasha know nothing about comedy. Well, actually, I, I, almost the opposite. I was like, I think when people, f- I knew comics that f- when they found out that, that you were the three guys that were going to be the judge, it almost legitimized it in a little bit of way. And That's what we're because, hoping. Because the year before, they would have, because like in Toronto, it was... Uh, John Ratzenberger or, or it was No, it was uh, Richard Kine from, uh, yeah. he's on... He's on Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think, sometimes. He's a really great actor. And that... And, that, and, Dave, and Dave Foley, who's a really funny guy. Yeah. But you, you sort of, like, they're not stand-up, so they don't exactly know well, exactly... Well, I mean, I could see Dave... I mean, I could see all those people actually doing it because they're, they're comedians. Yeah. So it's fine. But it, it, it was more like just how... I think the, the show was trying to find its legs so much and was trying to be different types of shows. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing. And I think one of the things I think that's really great is that Craig Robinson is so low-key. Yeah. That he doesn't he, he he works against the reality show angle on it, right. you know, or the or the game show angle on it. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and, I, and I always thought it's like as long as it's bringing out people to clubs and getting people more oh, interested absolutely. in comedy, yeah. and just even as a, as a new f- angle in, in getting people interested in it, I, I never had a big issue with it. But I, I just know that some people didn't. I was like, well, they're just. Those are the guys that are on that show. They showed up. Right, so right. That, who else are you going to judge? You're not going to call up your, no, like, hey, you Drew Carey, can you show up to... You can't you know. make it what it isn't. Right. <laughs> like, have you seen... No, you can't get serious about it and think, is this really the best comic in America? Because that's ridiculous. There's no way that you're going to get the best comic standing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, I think it's one of Patton's... Uh, I heard him quoted on that in that documentary. Uh, I think it was that documentary, Heckler, that I have my own issues with anyways. But... Um, but he said that like comedy and erotica are the two things that you can't argue with someone about because they're the most subject. You can't tell someone what is funny, and you can't tell someone what is going to turn them on. It's just they're the two most subjective things. Right, but I do like you know when I do that that speech every year in Montreal about you know state of the industry. I think in a way I am talking about. I think you can talk about it because I think if you say it's all subjective, well then you're saying you can't slam certain things. You know, I know what he's saying in yeah. terms of. The actual part that makes you laugh is subjective. You know what I mean? Right. It's either your cup of tea or not a cup of tea. But when people are using manipulation and they're using different ways of getting laughs, yeah. you can identify that and say, okay, you're laughing because you've heard this a million times. You well, know? you know, I mean, I'm not a Larry the Cable Guy fan, right. but when I see him sell out a stadium, I'm like, sort of, well, I, I guess. You know, yeah. I just, it's, it's not for me. I guess I'm just, I'm just, as a comic, I'm getting better at saying, well, that's just not for me. Yeah, that's I think you can say that, but I think you can also identify where there's evil. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, is there any point where you give up on a crowd? Mm, sometimes I do, but what I'm trying to do whenever I, uh, you know, try different things, it's like I can't quit on the crowd, but it, where, the, where the genesis of getting angry at people was, was trying to make do something in the moment to get people out of there. Right. You know, they decide they don't like you. I'm trying to shake them up in some way to get them to listen. You know, because once they shut down, there's no hope. Right. Um, the only thing I want to know from you is you're hosting the alternative comedy show. Uh, everybody's like, what is alternative comedy? Is it a marketing gimmick to get younger people? <laughs> seriously, because alternative is supposed to be what hip, cool people are into. And that's what I think alternative comedy is. It's for a little bit edgier. It's a little bit different. It's not Larry the Cable Guy. It's not Jeff Dunham. Is that what it is to you? Yes. And the other thing is the, category, the categories don't quite fit anymore because 
back when it started, when we were doing alternative comedy in the 90s, you know, like in L.A., it, it was an alternative to what was happening in the mainstream, it was, you know, mainstream comedy clubs. So we had to kind of invent it in a way because we, none of us could work in the mainstream comedy clubs. And so now, uh, you know, it's harder to define it because I think so much of comedy everywhere, I'm sorry, I keep hitting the mic, like so much of comedy everywhere is really funny, so, and there's so many great comedians everywhere, so they kind of, the lines get blurred, you know, uh, the only thing I would say is that it's, it's basically comedians, when I booked the, because I started booking the alternative comedy show in Montreal, one of my, quote, rules was try and be working on generally newer material, so uh, that's one definition of it, and otherwise, all categorization fails at some point because it's just used to basically say this is the area we're going in you know but when that when the when the, when the area doesn't when you don't no longer need it to be determined that way you may let it go but i still think it's generally lets people know what's happening mm-hmm. well, it was just like i always liked them when uh, when like u2 first came out they were referred to as an alternative band right and then I, even now that they're sometimes still referred to that and i'm like well you guys sell out stadiums and you were at the super bowl yes like how alternative are you i mean do you think do you think that same thing applies to comedy absolutely that? because i think the beatles are alternative you know it's yeah. like if the beatles they didn't try to get hugely popular they got hugely popular I mean, that's always been my argument about the people I really love is like, you know, you can't control, like Seinfeld's alternative comedy to me, the show Seinfeld. Right. It's the biggest hit on television. But it started because it was very true to itself and very quirky and then people got into it. You know, maybe they liked it because Kramer had funny hair, you know? And, and how, do you, how do you genuinely explain the Leno phenomenon? Like, uh, why, how do people just still keep... Oh, I don't know. I, don't know. I think people, uh, there is a lot to be said about people falling asleep at 11.35 with the TV on. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right. Okay. I just had one. I had okay, one cool. more question for you. Um, recently, it was it was a uh, it was like actually a Canadian guy too, but that doesn't make a difference. But would you ever want to get so rich and famous that none of your friends would tell you that the movie that you're directing is a piece of shit? <laughs> no, I would like them to tell me. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, but it depends on how you know. It's like yes, yes, I think. Just because I watched The Love Guru and I was sort of like, how could anyone at no point right. during this go, hey, yeah. psst, Mike? This is really yeah, bad. Well, yeah, it went off the. Tr- that's when things like that. Of course, you know anything could be a one-time deal. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes just something goes off the tracks. But yeah, I think sometimes people. I think one of the problems is when you do get very very successful, it's very hard to know what's going on because people they, they announce your name, they're screaming, and so it's almost good to. That's why I always like to be below the radar. Well, there's also something to be said if you surround yourself by people that you know count on you for your paycheck. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, exactly. Gonna, oh no, they're that's not going to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kathleen, did you have any more? I think Andy has to go and do a show. All right. But you okay. want to ask one more question? Uh, I just no. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you too long. But I just like you. You're, you're amazing. It's awesome. It's cool oh, meeting you. you. So <laughs> Sorry, we rushed in a way, but it was cool, right? No, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll probably hook up with you again in Montreal. Okay, if that's cool. We'll be around. Yeah, and. Uh, I guess I just thought of this now, but it, but it almost seems like with the, a lot of the stuff from the back of the room is now coming to the front of the room. Yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of shit there that like I thought, oh man, that's a, more of a comics joke. But people were people really, that crowd was great. Really were on board. Yeah. Cool. So great show tonight. Thank thanks, thanks so a lot for talking hey, to us, Andy. Sitting here with the uh, probably the most successful Canadian stand-up comedian, Russell Peters. Hello, Kathleen McGee. How are you, Squirt? Squirt is doing awesome. Squirt loves Russell Peter because uh, Russell Peters uh, gave her an amazing opportunity. Um, she got to perform in front of 5,000 people, which was insane for her. Not for you, though. It was great. You killed it, too. 
I did have a good time, but um, I want to know about the first time you had like a big, big, big show. First time I did a big, big show was in Trinidad, I think in like 1999 or 98 or something. And it wasn't like they weren't there to see me. It was like 20,000 people, but they weren't there to see me. In Trinidad, they do these gigantic stadium shows every year for the Laugh Off or Laugh Festival in Trinidad. And John Paul hooked me up with that gig. And uh, that was a little overwhelming. You only had to do five minutes, but <clears throat> they had booed off the guy before me. And in Trinidad, they don't boo you off like how they boo you off here. <clears throat> they just start clapping whilst you're talking. And you have 20,000 people clapping whilst you're trying to talk. And I was like, oh, my God. Why are they clapping? They really like this guy. They're like, no, he's getting taken off these stages. He's not doing well. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then they started fucking throwing toilet paper rolls at the stage. For if they don't like they clap and then throw toilet paper rolls at you. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die out there. That's crazy. I don't know if I'll ever do comedy in Trinidad. but uh, So uh, you're super successful in Canada. And um, you even told me when I first won your contest, you said, uh, do you have any haters yet? And I said, I, I have one. You know one, my one hater. I do. I'm, I'm actually friends with your one hater. I think I might be that one hater's only friend. No, he's got lots of friends. But for some reason, he's got haters. But do you have people that, that are kind of like, oh, Russell Peters, and you know about it? I, uh, you know what? I don't know who they are because... They, I'm sure they will be frenemies, you know, where they smile in your face. And then, uh, as Granddaddy IU once said, smile in your face, give you a pound and a handshake. Then behind your back, they flip like a pancake. Like, there was a, a pretty, like, uh, multicultural crowd tonight. And, uh, I mean, you play, do you ever adjust yourself with, when you look out in the crowd, or is it just a set set? Because, I mean, you, you play off the crowd so much. Well, I just go with what's in front of me. You know, you can't really plan. I think if you're planning your comedy, then it's not really... I don't think it's true comedy at that point, you know? Like, do you, I mean, do you ever find, uh, like, like, crowds, like, if you weren't to go into them, I mean, would they ever be disappointed if you, like, leave a certain, like, group of people out? Because it almost seems like people want you to be like, it's all over here, I'm over here, make fun of me, or not. Or, and I don't think you ever make fun of people. It's almost like you're making fun with people. Yeah. That's how I always, that's how I always get I call it all-inclusive comedy. It's like yeah. a resort. Yeah. <laughs> and you get a card, and you get it stamped every time you, you know, get made fun of. And if of. you're made fun of three times in a row, yeah. you can... I don't know, get a you get bragging sub. rights. Yeah, or you get a subway sub or something yeah. like that. Let me. Can I talk about your security team? Yeah, why not? Can I, I don't really call them my security team, first they? of all. Okay, what do you call them? <clears throat> okay, those are guys... First of all, I've known all those guys forever. Yeah. So they're not like, you know, like new guys that I just met and I hired them to do security. They're more there to make sure people don't record me at my shows. And then they're there for crowd control after the show. I did see that there was like one. There was like a, there was a guy like in the, like a third row, right? He took an iPhone. And he, he yeah, he took his iPhone out. And I'm always sort of like, well, you can get a DVD. Like, why wouldn't you just get the proper? He does it, he does it so that he can show. I was in a room with Russell Peters. Yeah, That's there. why they do it. But no, I want to I want to know more because I uh, last weekend they were like so much fun. I had a great time with them. They made me feel special and beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, how do you get that kind of team around you all the time? Like, I brought my best friend. She was my team. You met her. She yeah, your best cool. friend was hot, too. I think one of them tried to fuck her, didn't they? Uh, don't say that because she's married. But they. Well, I didn't say well, he, he did. did. I said he... Yeah, he tried to. And by tried to, I mean, you know, he would like to have. Yes, that's true. I think, uh, yeah, he really, really liked her. Um, but she's a very likable girl in a Barbie doll kind of way. Yeah, um, she's a little too white for me. <laughs> and I like my women, you know, darker with long, dark hair and... 
and big boobs and beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. I do like him beautiful. Yeah, she's he's got a really hot girlfriend, people. This is what this is what I love about male comics is that no matter who they are, they get stunning girls. Because You know who you know who the king of that is? Rouse. He does. Jason get Rouse hotter. always has been always getting like the hottest chicks and you're like, What the fuck? That guy just had snot all over his face for a joke. And the, and yeah, remember all that? I yeah, knew. and always the hottest chicks. I've done a lot of weekends with Jason Rouse, and he will. I did a swingers club with Jason Rouse. No, oh, that's right on Valentine's Day in Vegas. Yes, and he will bring like the hottest girls with him. It's awesome. I, I asked Andy Kinley the same question: Is it would you ever want to get to the point where you're so rich and famous that no one would? And if you were directing a movie, none of your friends would come up to him and tell you this is a piece of shit. Um. <clears throat> I think I'm. It's because it's. I tried to get through the Love Guru. Oh, that was horrible. I know, but when, if you were if you were directing the Love Guru, wouldn't you wouldn't you want your friends to come up to you and go, Russell, what are you doing? This is. You know, can I tell you a funny story about the Love Guru? Then <clears throat> they had asked me if I wanted to be in the movie, and I was like, "What is it?" They're like the Love Guru, and I go, "What do you want me to play?" Um, you could either be like a they're literally a Seven Eleven guy or a taxi driver, but some sort of Indian stereotype. And I was like, hell no. And then my agents were like, are you crazy? This is a Mike Myers movie. And then my lawyer, who shall remain nameless, was on Mike's lawyer's team a a while ago. He said, that script has been bouncing around for about seven or eight years before it got made. And he goes, it's awful. Don't touch it. And I'm so glad I told my agents, go fuck yourself. I'm not selling out for this one. And, uh, And it stunk. But... There was, in saying that, though, there was one line in the movie that made me laugh my ass off. Yes. When Mike Myers says to the black guy, when he's in the dressing room, and he goes, I can't go out there. I can't face her. And he goes, what is it you can't face? And that made me laugh my ass off. Nothing like a good pun. Do you think there is, like, with reality TV and the way that sort of people try to become famous these days, do you think there is such a thing as selling out? Do you think people look at, like, oh, oh that artist wouldn't do that anymore because he speaks the truth and he's this and he's that? And is, there, is there such a thing as selling out, in your opinion? Oh, yeah, there's always a way of selling out, you know. It would almost be like if Andy Kindler got on stage and did observational humor. Or observational humor that wasn't about comedy clubs. Yeah, know? like, you know, just genuine, like, hey, what is it about, you know, like, yeah. airplane food? Could you imagine, like, wouldn't, you, wouldn't your heart fall out of your fucking ha- mouth? Just, just jump right out of your mouth and fall out. It would, it's one of those things where it's almost like if Darren Frost decided to become, like, the nice, happy guy on stage. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He or in life. Happy, slappy, fun right. guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that to me is a form of selling out. But the, the good thing about a lot, of, uh, a lot of us is that we're... Uh, we're, we're the kind of people that will not bend in those situations. You know what the thing is, and I notice this when I'm playing in Canada, is that uh, no matter how much the audience is there for you, right. especially in Toronto, in the, Ontario, in the province of Ontario, um, no matter how much they love you and they're there for you, they will not give it up. You have to work to get those laughs. And that's the one thing that a lot of comics may think they're bombing consistently, but really they're not understanding how much better they're getting I mean, it's like a guy who's getting punched in the face all the time, and then you go to fight someone else, and they have no punch at all. You're like, really? You're the big guy that has no punch? I'm going to fucking slay you. Well, I think you got to get going and do your show, so show is starting. Thank you. Okay, there we go. That was the 
the two interviews that we did with Russell Peters and Andy yeah. Kindler, uh, and uh, and that's it. That's that's the uh, ab- ab- add-ons for the podcast, bonus uh, bits, whatever, sure, whatever you want to call. However you toss your salad, however you toss your salad. You can't say toss your salad yeah. anymore without a tongue being thought of as a tongue in the ass. Can't well, you? that's uh, my mom says toss the salad. I don't think she thinks it that way. All right, well that's where my mind. Maybe goes the average easily. listener of our show doesn't know that. David. I think the okay. If there's an average listener of the show, right. they probably and if they continue to. Yep. I'm pretty sure when you I'm say pretty sure toss salad, they wouldn't care they whether it was an add-on or a bonus. No, bit. They, no they wouldn't give a fuck. No, they wouldn't give a fuck. I would just but say, the but they probably when they hear um, uh, toss salad, they right. think we'll agree uh, on that. Tongue, tongue and it, agree to disagree on tongue, the bonus in, bits in butthole. We never really disagreed. I was just saying I never heard add-ons before. Right. Okay, goodbye. Tune in next time or whatever the hell. Fuck. <laughs> shit. That's that one done.